unfortunately in our profession, there's sometimes a broad brush that's painted. And when one incident happens, it seems to be the story for every police agency in the United States. And that's not always the case. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to the Black and Blue Podcast. My name is Dale. Welcome to the show. Hey, you know, I do this show mostly from the inside of my studio uh, out there in, uh, out here in California. But today I'm going to do something a little different. I'm coming to you today from an undisclosed location in the uh, in L.A. County with my next guest. So be sure to check this out. Again, my name is Dale, Black and Blue Podcast. Make sure you check this out on all my social media pages at Black and Blue US. Uh, we're doing a little something different here today. Got a little different look, but I hope you like it. So check out my next guest today. He is the Chief of Police of the Southgate Police Department in Southgate, California. Everybody, please welcome to the show, Chief Darren Arakawa. How you doing, Chief? I'm doing very well, thank you. All right, good to, good to see you. Thank you for inviting us into your home. Absolutely. I appreciate you, appreciate you. So I said you are the chief of police in a city called Southgate. Tell everybody where that is, first of all, because not everybody knows. Yeah, so Southgate is located in southeast Los Angeles. Uh, we're roughly uh, seven and a half square miles. We're nestled in between uh, the city of L.A. Uh, we border... Linwood, Downey, Bell Gardens. So we're, we're considered the southeast cities of Los Angeles. Um, so it's a very, uh, very accessible city to uh, to downtown LA, real close, but uh, Southern California. All right, all right. And how long have you been with Southgate? Uh, roughly 30 years now. It was oh, my wow. first apartment. I started there, uh, got hired on early uh, as a reserve officer in uh, November of 91. And uh, six months later, became a full-time police officer and never looked back. Okay, all right. And you were the chief there now. How long, how long have you been chief? I uh, took over the, the chief's position in August of 2021 and uh, was appointed as a full-time chief in October of uh, this year, or right. October 2021. So you took over for the uh, previous chief and now you're in your, in your tenure here. How do you like being chief now? Uh, it's definitely a, uh, a, a change in leadership at the command level uh we were there's you know there's leadership but when you take over over as a chief there are responsibilities that um you know everything rests on on your shoulders now uh you accept responsibility for the good and the bad uh but uh, i felt that uh, this position did change my view on how leadership really looks um there's a lot to be uh, taken in consideration, but the challenges are are worth 
you know, taking on. The yeah. position is just, uh, 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 there's, there's so much going on, but there's so much thinking that uh, uh, goes into decision making. And I, I just, I enjoy it. I really do. I think that uh, it, it's next level um, organizational um, thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, it's, a great, it's a great opportunity because not, not everybody in this profession is afforded this opportunity. Absolutely. Um, so to, to, to work with my way up in the organization and to get here, um, there's no failing uh, option uh, for me. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a great challenge, but there's also going to be uh, some things that I think are going to be beneficial to the organization. My goal is to leave the organization uh, better than when I got there, and that's my intention. Yeah, it sounds like you're off to a good start. So yeah, wish you lots of luck on there. Okay. Thank you. Tell everybody about the department. Uh, how large is it? Um, how large is the city? Uh, what, what's kind of the demographics of each? Absolutely. So Southgate is uh, we're roughly seven and a half square miles. Uh, population's roughly ninety six to one hundred thousand uh, population, primarily Hispanic uh, community, uh, uh, working class community. Over the years, there's been so much development, so much has come to the city. Uh, and our organization in itself is uh, roughly about 150 between the sworn personnel and the civilian staff. Uh, and we're budgeted for 85 police officers. Okay. And and how is that? You said you're budgeted for 85. How is that actually working out now on the street? Because I know times are tougher for all of our agencies right now. Absolutely. We look at... Uh, we're always short, if you if you will, um, through attrition, through retirements. Mm-hmm. You're always trying to hire, so we're we're down a, a number of bodies. But uh, the nice thing is that um, there's plenty of candidates out there. I, I know that there's rhetoric about not wanting to be in this profession for various reasons, but I, I I don't believe there's a shortage of people wanting to enter this profession. It's a very noble profession, uh, and everybody um, out there that seeks to be a police officer. Uh, we see them go through the channels and, and, and the testing process. So there's plenty of candidates to, to, uh, that are out there. It's just finding the right candidates to fit your organization. All right. And speaking about uh, candidates and people wanting to be police officers, had you always wanted to be a police officer? Ironically not. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story how I actually became a police officer. So uh, out of high school, I, I began, began working in Southgate at a trucking company, which is, um, you know, just uh, on, the, on the east side of the city. And at the time, there was a police officer that used to come into the shop all the time. He was in commercial enforcement uh, police officer. So I used to see him quite frequently. And uh, he struck up a friendship with me and he had kids uh, the same age as, as me. And he used to talk to me about the job. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that it was... Um, interesting as every conversation went through he would tell me about the uh the things that went on now keep in mind he was a police officer that started in the uh, 70s and 80s right. so he he had some 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 stories that uh would just pique my interest um so I, I i never considered a career in law enforcement until i started grabbing on to the to the stories and he inspired me to at least give it a shot which is why uh, I took the route of being a reserve officer, because at the time our department had a reserve officer program, so that afforded us the opportunity to maintain the profession that you're in uh, and become a part-time police officer, experience the job, and if it's something that I felt that was right for me in the organization, 
later on down the line, it was right for, for, my, for my career and myself, uh, then I'd take the leap and become a full-time police officer. And, and that's exactly what I did. It didn't take very long. It was about six months since I, yeah. since I became a reserve officer and I was offered a job right away. Um, but I, I, I always like to tell that story because it really does underscore the importance of the connections that a police officer and the contact that you have with, with police officers in the field. As a young individual, uh, you look up to police officers, at least I did, um, and I always thought that um, what they say mattered, and I listened to them, and uh, you just never know what will, will come out of that contact, and mm-hmm. here I am today. I mean, um, you know, I, I, credit, I credit that man for uh, putting me in the position of where I'm at now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And what would the family feel about that at the time? Well, uh, my brother was um, was headed to the military at the time. It was my brother and I, and you know, uh, uh, I was an adult then, and I just one day told mom, "This is what I'm doing, mom," and <laughs> she's like, "Okay, you know, yeah. you, you gotta you gotta make decisions for yourself." So it you know it was all positive, very encouraging from the family. There's never been a time where somebody in, in the family said, "Don't do it because of the dangers." In fact, that's you know what you want to do. You want to run to the danger. Uh, if that's if you, you want to be a police officer, that's one of your you know your 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 mind of thinking is that you know this is part of the job. Let's let's go in there. But it never crossed my mind that dangers would keep me from mm-hmm. you know, engaging in this profession. Mm-hmm. And you told me a little story about your your childhood, about your family life off camera. Do you, you mind sharing that? Yeah. So uh, interestingly enough. Um, my brother and I, we, we were, uh, my mom raised us in uh, uh, East Los Angeles area. We, we grew up in El Sereno. And um, at a young age, my brother was one year older than I. And, uh, you know, at the age of, uh, I think I was eight years old, my brother was nine. My father was, was the victim of a homicide. He was killed in Los Angeles. And uh, it was, a, to this date, it's an unsolved murder. And uh, so years down the line, you know, we're, you know, my brother and I became law enforcement officers and just people ask, well, did you become a police officer because of the, uh, the incident that happened with your father? And it's quite the opposite. I think it was more happenstance and, and just a chance encounter that we both became police officers. Wasn't, uh, wasn't planned. It, it, and, you know, by the time we became uh, working professionals, that incident happened, you know, so many years ago that it was just a distant memory. But um, you know, I always like to reflect on that and think, wow, you know, what, what would have happened if our father was still around? You know, would right. we still be in this profession? So no telling, uh, but I always thought that that was kind of a, a story to, to, to tell, you yeah. know, because I do, I do look at that and I have a profound respect for what my mom did as a single mom, bringing oh, yeah. up uh, two kids, uh, you know, and, and back then and, and back in the late 70s, you know, things weren't you know, as easy as you would think they'd be. So, you know, I have, I have this profound respect for, for my mother, especially now being a parent, right? Right. right. <laughs> you understand <laughs> yeah. the struggles oh, yeah. of parent. Uh, but uh, I'll always remember that, um, you know, that upbringing and, and the encouragement that my mom always had for us. Now, since you got into law enforcement, have you ever tried to keep tabs on how that case is going or? So, uh, it was actually 40 years after my father had passed away, I was sent to 
training in Boston. And uh, while I was in Boston, it was a senior management institute for police. And in 2016, I was among 85 command level officers from across the United States. Mm -hmm. And I happened to sit next to a um, civilian manager that worked for LAPD records and identification. And, you know, we were out there for three weeks, uh, staying on campus at Boston University. And, you know, during the breaks, you, you get to talk to your colleagues and, and share stories. And I asked her what she did at LAPD and she described what she did. And I said, I just kind of threw the story out about what happened to my father. I said, this is what happened to uh, my father. And, you know, is there any way you can pull up a report? Mm -hmm. So she said, well, let me, let me get the information and let me see if I can pull it up. So I gave her the information and, you know, two days later, I totally forgot I even had that conversation with her and she came back to me and said, hey, I found the reports. It was actually on Microfish. So oh, for, yeah. for those of you viewers out there, if you don't know what Microfish is, look it up. It's just an old, uh, it's just an old way of saying scanning. It was, a, it was a scan document. And she was able to, to pull out the documents and show me the homicide report. And uh, it was kind of interesting because I, I read it 40 years after the incident happened. Now, keep in mind, when I was, when I was young, uh, I remember the day my mom told me that my father passed away. She had actually told us that uh, my dad was involved in a car accident. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't you know, until years later that my grandfather told us what really happened. But I, I understand why my mom would tell me that because how can you tell little kids right. the, the manner in which their father was killed? So I absolutely understand it. But to get the reports 40 years later, I shared it with my brother at the time. And uh, it was just kind of interesting. It still is unsolved, but it struck a, uh, a particular chord with uh, homicide investigators back in the day because they suspect the killer was involved in a murder of a high profile business owner back then. Uh, Yet um, there were no leads or no follow up. But, you know, I, I I was just satisfied to read the report. You know, I never thought that the case should be reopened and whatnot. You know, life moves on. And uh, uh, I was just actually satisfied to, to, to see reports. I was, a, I was a captain at the time when I read the report. So, uh, but to get that, it was very rewarding. Yeah, yeah. And if some new evidence comes to light, I'm sure they'll, they'll open it back up. But till then... Yeah, you know, I, I, I let things rest where they are and, um, you know, I, I, I understand everyone's busy and, and cases are piling up and, you know, the, if you look at the approximate age of the suspect uh, on the crime reports, I would suspect he's probably in his 80s or 90s, if not even dead. Right. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to waste resources to investigate you know, something that... Right. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. And you talked about a brother. What uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your brother, too? Yeah, absolutely. My brother was one year older than me, a great man. In fact, uh, he he was uh, out of high school. He was uh, deciding on where he was going to go in life and uh, ended up uh, joining the, the Marine Reserves. And, uh, you know, my mom was pushing him, you know, you, you got to find a career in life or, you know, you, you got to do something. So he ended up going to the to the service and shortly thereafter, um, the conflict in the Middle East occurred. So my brother was sent off to uh, the Middle East in support of Operation Desert Storm. And that was a scary time for us, you know, for the family, because it was very unsettling. It was, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, everyone was watching what was going on uh, on the news. 
and um, but he uh, he served his country, and uh, when he came back, he ended up uh, he he saw that I was on the job already, and said, hey, you know, I think I want to I want to be a police officer as well. So he actually worked for the uh, Bureau of Prisons. So he he worked at uh, they sent him to Glencoe, Glencoe, Georgia for training. Came back and I believe he worked at Roy Ball Building down mm-hmm. in downtown LA. But uh, you know he wasn't satisfied with what he was doing and he wanted to be a sworn peace officer. And you know at the time I had been on the job a couple years and he started applying with uh, agencies and was hired by the LA County Sheriff's Department in uh, mid 1995. Uh, went to the academy and he gradu- graduated at the end of 95. And, and at the time I was I was on the job a couple years already, so I was. Yeah, I'm the younger brother, but I'm telling the older brother, this, these are the things to expect. Right. Now, of course, we were two different organizations, and, and his career path was a little bit different than mine. I mean, I went straight onto, uh, onto patrol while, while he did some custody time and, and had, to, had to work his way up that way. But, uh, yeah, he did, uh, he did his time at the sheriff's department, did, uh, you know, did r- really well for himself. All right, all right. And then something happened to him a little bit later on in life. Do you mind talking about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so my brother worked uh, a number of assignments. Most of his uh, career was in uh, um, East Los Angeles Station. He loved that community. That's uh, kind of where he felt comfortable. And it was December of 2020 when he got COVID. He got COVID while while he was working and and uh, fell ill and. And uh, about three weeks later, he was uh, admitted to the hospital and he was intubated shortly thereafter. So uh, February 8th of 2021 is when he actually passed away from COVID. Sorry. And uh, yeah, I, it's, uh, yeah it, was a, it was a rough time. And, and he had been on the job 25 years and he left behind a, a family. So he's got a wife and four kids, two grandkids. Wow. And uh, we're coming up to that one-year anniversary of his of his passing. But I've always been that person that's uh, you know it was sad at the time, but I, I also am thankful for the time we had with him. Mm-hmm. He was just a lifelong civil servant. He uh, served this country, served the county, and he did a, he did a, a wonderful job. He just leaves behind a, a family that's that misses him every day. Yeah, um, but I always take you know the 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 good memories that I had with my brother, and I'm thankful that, thankful that uh, you know, I had him in my life. Yeah, my, my condolences to you and your family. Thank you, I appreciate that. So has COVID, you, you know, your, your, your son, your, I'm sorry, your son, your brother passed from COVID. Has that affected your department in any way, COVID? I think every law enforcement agency has been affected by COVID. I mean, it's almost inevitable, but just because uh, the contact with the community at large, um, but we've taken uh, a lot of safety precautions uh, inside the uh, city to keep officers as safe as possible. And, uh, you know, we're, we're no different than other people. We, we do our very best to, to stay healthy. And, uh, you know, when, when our employees get sick, we take care of them, make sure that uh, they have what they need to recover. And, you know, um, we're managing it. We're doing the very best we can with, with what we have. Yeah. All right. Good with that. You haven't uh, instituted any mandates in in the city. I know LA County's got a couple of little mandates going on. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what the city does, but our city and uh, I'm not sure what the big city is. City of LA. I, I know they they do have some mandates, but with regards to, to our city, we don't have any mandates okay. right now. Um, I think uh, the way we've been able to manage 
the, the, the pandemic has probably been one of the reasons why. I don't want to speculate, but I, I would say that uh, we've done a pretty good job managing it. And as soon as we know that there was an exposure, we do our best to take action and move people around and, and get them isolated and get them well so that they can come back and, and, and get back to work. No, no losses to COVID in your department? No losses, yeah. thankfully. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, your brother was with uh, L.A. County, and they're tan and, and, and green. And for some reason, I noticed that your department, the only police department I've ever seen, at least out here in California, that's also tan and green. What, what's the story behind that? Do you, do you know anything about that? Yeah, so we had uh, the tan and green since our city was incorporated. And, you know, when the, when the police department uh, existed, we were tan and green. And it was the L.A. County Sheriff's Department that um, copied the Southgate Police Department. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that saw us at a graduation and saw the tan and green. And uh, I believe he transitioned the sheriff's uh, uniform from all green to tan and green. Okay. So um, that's why we, we, we label ourselves the original tan and green. Most <laughs> the original of, tan and green, yeah. Most of the time we get people to look at our, our patches and then they say, oh, you look like the Sheriff's Department. Yeah. I said, <laughs> Well, I think they might look like us. Right, right, right. <laughs> but uh, it's all good. Uh, I got a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, good friends that work at the sheriff's department. We always, we always talk about that story yeah. about who the original tan and green is. <laughs> so no, no inclination to switch to blue or. So we're grandfathered in. I believe we're the last municipal police department in the state of California to have tan and green. Uh, I haven't seen a municipal police department with with the tan and green. I've seen other sheriff's department, but. Uh, we're not uh, we're not going to blues at least at least in my lifetime. Uh, I think the tradition speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. um, that's it's part of our identity, and I think it's really important to um, hold on to that identity. Uh, that's that's Southgate PD. I know for a, a short period of time we went to blues for probably three or four months and it just didn't feel right really just only took three or four months huh? it did it went wasn't back. very long yeah we, we went we switched back over it wasn't by choice but uh we went to blues for a little bit um uh, a lot a lot more uh a lot more sweating in the in the blues but because the, they were just a little bit thicker but uh yeah we mm. we switched back to uh, the tanning green we'll, we'll be tanning green probably all forever right. all right love that tradition yes love that tradition all right cool cool so Arakawa, what, uh, what's the origin behind that name? Well, my, my mom's Mexican and my dad's Japanese. My dad's side of the family's from Hawaii. So uh, my, the, you'll see Arakawa uh, pretty frequently in Honolulu. It's, okay. uh, that's where my, uh, my, my dad and, and my dad's side of the family, my grandfather, they were all born and raised in Honolulu. All right. And my mom, uh, my mom is, uh, his, is Mexican. Mm -hmm. You ever get back to Hawaii every now and then? Or? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I bet you do, yeah. That's one place I need to get to. I've never been there, but... Oh, get to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I need to go there, yeah. The wife is from Costa Rica, so, you know, we, we go there, but uh, I want to get to Hawaii. No, Costa Rica is beautiful, too. Oh, so, so you've been there? I've been there three or four times. Oh, so you're a world traveler, okay. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> I, I love Costa Rica. All right, all right. So so what do you like to do when, you, when you're not working? I know you're a busy guy as a chief, but... Yeah, uh, I think uh, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of opportunity to, you know, do things for myself. One of the stressors of the jobs is to understand how important it is to break away from that, even if it's just mm -hmm. for a little bit to get uh, some some stress relief and do things outside of uh, outside of the work uh, the workplace. Uh, you know, I, I I have a Harley. I, I my son has a Harley. We we go to shows. We ride bikes. You know, and then my boys keep me busy. 
you know, when time is time comes around for sports, you know, we're we're doing stuff with uh, with the sporting events, but. Uh, you know, it seems like the weekend goes pretty quick when you got a lot of stuff going on at work. Uh, I, but I still like to find time to to do things. Big Dodger fan. I'm a big Raider fan, so I Uh-oh. you know I spend time. And <laughs> if I'm not at the games during the Dodger season, then then I'm definitely uh, looking at the schedule and just carving out time to watch. They'll some... they'll be sitting at home watching my Niners tomorrow. Oh yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so next year the Raiders going to take it. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. We'll yeah. That. So how old are the boys? Uh, my oldest one's going to be 27. Uh, then I have a 16-year-old and a 10-year-old. So oh, wow. I got them sp- busy. Yeah, I got them spread out. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're all good. The 16-year-old's getting ready to start driving. So it's, yep. you know, he's starting to ask, you know, now it's time to get a car. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, okay. that's going to be another stressful time. Yeah. Oh, so, God. So long as he doesn't say he wants a motorcycle, though, right? No, not a motorcycle. That's not going to happen. I, yeah. I had a hard enough time for the older one to take a motorcycle. But hey, if dad's got one, then, right. you know, I I'd had a hard time saying that uh, my older son can't get one. But he's enjoying riding. And, you know, he got a, a, a smaller bike. Now he wants to go to a bigger bike. And, you know, it's just uh, it's just all about money. Whatever you whatever you want, you can have. It's just you know, what are you willing to, to invest in it? Yeah. So, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun getting out there. Do a little bit of traveling as well. Um, I do like to follow the Dodgers when they uh, go out of town. Try to hit at least two to three cities a year. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what this year brings. All right. All right. Any of the, the boys want to follow in Dad's footsteps? And- uh the oldest one has a, a a profession already he he educated himself at rutgers university he's he's doing well in his profession uh my my older my middle one is is kind of on the bubble he's a very intelligent young man but you know at that age you don't really know what yeah uh, which he's, one. he's got a ways now the, the the youngest one the 10 year old he's he's uh set on going to the military and then becoming a police officer which is, kind of surprises me really yeah it, yeah <laughs> You know, and one of the things uh, that's interesting is I don't talk to the kids a lot about my job. I, I, I really like to keep work at, at home. I'm, and to be honest with you, the little one doesn't really know what pol- police, he knows what policemen are, but I don't think he understands a profession. And I don't talk to him about, I don't tell him about the stories of, you know, that goes on at work. And uh, so it's kind of shocking that he wants to be, uh, you know, join the military and then become a police officer. But when he gets a little bit older, then I'll be able to have those conversations yeah. with them a little bit more comfortably and yeah. really enlighten him on what to expect. Because I have to imagine if you're a 10 year old, 10 years of age now, we'll see what the profession looks like in, you know, uh, yeah. in, in 15 years. Yeah, it's a lot different from when you and I came in oh, today. It's so. like day and night. Yeah, like day and night. Like day so and night. You guys finding a lot of guys that are kind of leaving the profession because of, you know, the climate of today? Well, with our organization, we're small, so you don't see that very often. Uh, people just don't leave this profession uh, just just because of frustration. At least I'm not aware of it. I, I, I have to think that that probably does happen, but I haven't seen it personally. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't really seen that. You know, I'll, I'll see the posts on social media or, or news reports that things like that kind of happen maybe back east or down south, but not so much out here in California. No, I mean, uh, despite the challenges, despite the the uphill battles, the legislation that's changing, the anti-police rhetoric, the defund movement, all those things, you know, you would think that um, that would push people out of the profession. It does affect 
you know, individuals because we are people and we, we like to think that we're doing a good job and we're, we're in this job for, uh, we have purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, we, we also have a strong group of individuals that uh, do this job without expecting validation. Uh, so I think that there's a, a much to be said about the the courage and and the the professionalism of the police officers that are here. Yeah, of course we don't like to hear the 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 the, the negative support, but uh, you know tomorrow's a new day and and we'll get along and we'll figure these things out. Yeah, um, we always do, don't we? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so a lot of this stuff came about because of what happened in, in 2020 with, you know, George Floyd and Mart Arbery and, and all those things. How do those sorts of things affect your department and your city? Well, you know, I, I think every organization is, is you know, one, one incident away from, from a George Floyd incident. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, in our profession, there's sometimes a broad brush that's painted. And when one incident happens, it seems to be the story for every police agency mm -hmm. in the United States, and that's not always the case. Uh, we, we, we strongly believe that um, in California in particular, uh, we take our training serious, we, we look at trends, and we also look at incidents that make us better. Um, you know, you don't, you don't get better by doing things the right way. You get better by doing things, you know, by making mistakes. Right. Uh, but, but you have to learn from those mistakes, and you have to constantly look at how the police profession has evolved. Um, training changed. Uh, legislation is forcing us to change our, our training. Um, tactics have trained, changed. So there's a lot of different moving parts in this profession and it's not easy, but the professionals in this organization have to figure out how to get through and navigate through the changes. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the best part of, of uh, this profession is because you look at an incident and we should be learning from them. Right. Uh, we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. Um, perfection is very rarely achieved in any part of society, let alone police work. Um, but, but it's kind of expected in our profession because, you know, the ultimate consequence that, you know, you and I can have on someone's life, taking someone's life and freedom, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're uh, We've been given a lot of uh, tools and a lot of a lot of authority in our profession, and you're correct. Uh, we have the ability to uh, incarcerate people, to take people's lives, and you have to get those right. Uh, you have to make sure that you're 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 getting it right the first time. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes uh, there's irreparable harm that's committed, and um, we have to be better. Um, that, that, like I said, it's it's part of a, an evolution process because when I look back at what we were doing when I first got here, uh, it's, it's like day and night. Uh, we're, we're, we're miles ahead of where we were, and that's part of the evolution process of, of getting better. Absolutely, absolutely. So what's, what's the future hold for, for you, Chief? Well, we'll see how uh, you know, the next uh, few years in, in the L.A. County policing uh, transitions. We're looking at a lot of legislation, uh, legislative changes, uh, but you know, the profession, the professionals coming in uh, don't know what we were doing 10, 15 years ago. So this right. is the world that they're living in. So we just got to make sure that we're, we're watching, uh, you know, the trends and, and we're addressing the, the needs of the communities, uh, making sure that we're keeping the city safe, our residents safe, our business partners safe. We have to make sure that uh, there's a, 
there's a, a, a good investment in our employees. Uh, our employees are by far the biggest asset in the organization. And we gotta, mm-hmm. you got to be a good employer. you got to take care of your employees. Mental health is important. Uh, when, when, when mental health is taken care of then, and, and they're working out, they're eating right, they're getting enough sleep, those things manifest into being, becoming a better uh, employee. So that's why I think it's, it's critical that we work with our employees and ensure that they have the tools necessary to succeed in, in not just inside the profession, but outside the profession. I want them to have healthy relationships with their families. Um, and do you guys have a, a current program, wellness program with your, with your officers in your department? We do. We have a, a peer support group, uh, um, and we're always looking at uh, working with our psychologists to find better uh, avenues to make sure our officers and, and civilian staff, uh, uh, they're taken care of. I mean, like, most people don't realize um, how important our civilian staff is. Mm-hmm. People see the line-level officers um, and... and but dispatchers and jailers and, and our records personnel, they're, they're equally important in this profession. Um, their, their support is, is crucial to our success as, as an organization. Yeah. So yeah. Um, for them as well. And they're dealing with the same things that we're dealing with because they work with us day in and day out. So Absolutely. They see, it too. They see Absolutely. it too. Absolutely. All right, Chief. I appreciate you letting us up here in your beautiful home and up here in the uh, undisclosed location up here in the hills of uh, L.A. County. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. You, you enjoy this place. I mean, <laughs> you, you, I'm sure you got a few more years left on the job, but, you know, when you come home, hey, you got this place to, to enjoy, right? I have very little to complain about. And if, no. I, did, and if I did, no one would listen. No, no, <laughs> no, not up here in this isolation. But, uh, yeah. hey, before we get out of here, I got something I want to play with you here. It's not play with you, just uh, something I call. Last night I saw a superhero. He was black. He said, this is for the street. Black Lightning's back my black lightning round. I'm just going to throw some questions at you and quick fire you throw some answers back at me and uh, we'll get a little bit more insight on uh, Chief Arakawa. So uh, you're a big Oakland Raider fan. You just got done saying that, right? So Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, now they're, now they're at the Vegas, right? So, But uh, who's your favorite Raider of all time? Uh, probably Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett, huh? Yeah, Jim you don't Plunkett. hear that one much. No, I mean, it's, it, well, there's a lot of them. I mean, the Lyle Zados of the world, uh, Mark Allen, Bo Jackson, you know, but just, you know, you look at a quarterback is, is probably a, uh, a person that uh, can really make or break your organization. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you got a bad quarterback. You're not, it's like having a bad captain. <laughs> well, no doubt, it, no doubt. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. So, so what are you thinking about uh, Derek Carr then? Is, is he your guy? Derek Carr's a guy. Uh, he just needs to get some people around him. And I think this year uh, we were able to move a little bit farther down the line. But I think Derek Carr's a guy. Look at his numbers. His numbers are good. All right. Okay. What's uh, your, your favorite assignment during your career? Absolutely. Hands down narcotics. Um, you know, working a task force and having the opportunity to work, uh, you know, organized crime and, and and those types of complex investigations are hands down the most rewarding. Yeah, 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 I love that. I did that for a while too. Do you have a bucket list? Definitely do some international travel. Okay. International travel, but you know, that travel is gonna have to be after I retire because what I don't wanna do is go and have to worry about a phone ringing. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when's the last time you did a tea stop? Uh, traffic well, stop. Well, I didn't do it, but the other chief did it when I was riding with him. 
So we were, yeah, this was, this was last year and yeah, it just uh, bothered him that people were just driving above their heads and we'd be coming back from lunch and he would just pull people over and then I'd be like, okay, am I the, am I the contact officer? I'm the cover officer. So, and then the chief could Do I remember, do we remember how to do this? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. he'd go, you know, but yeah, it's, uh, prior to that, it's been many years. I'll leave that to the, to the professionals. Okay. All right. Got you. Got you. If you had to be a cop anywhere outside of California, where, where would that be? Probably New York. New York, huh? Probably New York. You like New York, huh? I know you said your your son went to school out there. And yeah. Just uh, I love that city. It's um, it's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of movement, but probably New York. New York. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I know you talked about you got a Harley, a nice Harley. I've seen it on your on your social. Does anybody else get to ride it? Well, I, I let my son ride it, but, uh, you know, I, I kind of worry, okay, what time are you taking it? What time are you bringing it back? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, what, know, what is it? It's a, it's a, it's a deluxe. Okay. It's a deluxe soft tail. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, I've got some, uh, some time into it. And, uh, you know, my son eventually wants to get a deluxe. So take it out, test it. You know, if you drop it, you pay for the repairs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You ever been down? on it no no, no. that's my yeah. third harley knock, so uh knock yeah on wood, right? knock on wood knock on wood yeah um cheerios or cornflakes uh cornflakes cornflakes all right uh would you rather be tased or pepper sprayed pepper sprayed pepper sprayed not doing the taser <laughs> not doing, <laughs> not not doing, doing the taser one 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 uh during the test period was uh was enough yeah yeah no doubt no doubt um best patrol vehicle you've ever driven dodge charger dodge charger okay now you you weren't a, were you around? I'm sure you were during the Chevy Caprices. Oh yeah, yeah. What would you think about those? They were a little big. Uh, yeah, they yeah they were kinda, uh, they were a step they up. They kind of moved the, around a lot. Yeah, yeah but they were a step up from the Dodge, Dodge Diplomat. That's for sure. Oh wow, yeah, that's way before my time. Oh <laughs> man, yeah. And they were <laughs> ugly. All right. Um, do you call people still, or do you just text them? text you're a texter yeah i'm a texter <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people gotten away from calls and and, and sometimes when you call them you kind of hope they, they don't pick up right <laughs> well i always call my boss i, I, I always got to call the, the the council members oh, yeah. the mayor i always have those you don't want to lose that personal touch but there's a, so much going on that you know you can be more efficient with text and i think that's that's universal i think people prefer to be text than uh, called yeah yeah i think that's just the, the norm now yeah yes. no doubt and uh, last but certainly not least, what's your favorite podcast? Oh, that's got to be after yours, of course. Yeah, Black and Blue. And we, you heard yeah, it right here. Black right and Blue. Here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chief, I appreciate you. Uh, little words of wisdom on the way out uh, for, for the audience. Yeah, so I would expect that most of the audience are in the law enforcement profession. And, you know, I would like to, to say that uh, it's still one of the greatest professions to 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 be in i mean the, the challenges are always going to be there i don't think the challenges now are any different than the challenges we had before they're just different types of challenges but this is a very noble noble profession um people want to be in this job and they can't get into this job for for various reasons but um stay positive you're doing good work and you know not this this job is not for everyone and i think the the work you're doing is uh, commendable and i think that um you know after a long career you're gonna look back and think that you won't want to change a single thing because i know that that's that's where i am right now there's not a single thing that i would change in my career i think it's just um it's a story that you'll be able to tell uh when when uh when you're out of this profession and i've i've, I've mentioned this many times before that 
we're temporary stewards in the positions that we hold in this organization. We are. Um, the, the, there were people before us. There's going to be people after us. Mm -hmm. But what it's it, what's important is that you do the best job you can for your communities. Um, the, take care of yourself while you're doing it, and um, you know that's that's what public service is all about. Absolutely, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. And you talked about stories, and uh, so we'll pop up your your uh, Instagram there, the at uh, D Darakal, right? D Darakal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll pop that up there on the screen right there. And uh, your department is pretty big on on uh, social media as well, right? Yeah, that's. Uh, I think social media is one of the uh, platforms that you can get your message across, and you know we're we're not uh, any different than a lot of agencies. Uh, some agencies have a very robust social media push twitter facebook instagram TikTok. uh we're not quite at that level but uh we're getting there and i think we're connecting with a lot more people than we would otherwise all right chief we expect you to get on TikTok and do some of those dances and some... oh, no, man i don't you? know if that's gonna happen man <laughs> chiropractor probably yeah, won't yeah, like right, that. Right? <laughs> all right chief i appreciate you uh, letting us up here and spending some time with us uh you, you take care and be safe out there absolutely all right thank take you care. you got it thank you all right, ladies and gentlemen, that was it for uh, this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. Thank you for joining us here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, my name is Dale. Till next time, we'll see you right here on Black and Blue. I'm out. Peace. This has been a Nature D Entertainment presentation.